Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The 2020 NFL draft is done, the newest round of rookies have been picked, and the draft grades are being granted. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Some things went as expected. Some teams caught us off guard. Some of the art was atrocious. The Patriots' picks were made by a dog. Jerry Jones was on a boat in Green Bay. Well, what more do you want? It certainly was a different draft this year. And we're going to kick it all off by analysing and looking back at the quarterback selected over the three days. To do this, we're delighted to be joined once again by World Bowl winning Scottish Claymore quarterback Jim Ballard, all the way from Ohio. Jim, thanks for joining us. Good evening to you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us again, Jim. An absolute pleasure to have you. Yeah, Jim, it's great to have you back. And before we, we delve into the 2020 draft, we were lucky enough to have you on the podcast last year. Of course, the big chat last year was all about Baker Mayfield. Now, you were quite positive about him, but you, you said he faced challenges. And I, I guess looking back at the Browns season, there was plenty of challenges to go around. Yeah, there certainly was. Uh, Baker had a had a tough year. Uh, you know, he had some drop passes. Uh, the head coach, uh, Freddie Kitchens, who was tremendous as the uh, offensive coordinator in, uh, I believe, about two-thirds of the season last year, just fell short of you know, what Cleveland needed in a head coach. His inexperience showed up uh, many times on the field, and some of the play calls he made at key times, the way he mishandled the clock, uh, you know, the way he dealt with the media a little bit, and, and player relationships seemed to not be very good overall. And, um, you know, you put all that together with a relatively – young and inexperienced team and um you know that's that's what happens and it was it was almost tragic in in some ways because some of these things could have been avoided i mean there's certain things that you can't avoid in professional football injuries other team playing better but i think people were taken aback by the number of times the browns almost shot themselves on the foot yeah i I think an inexperienced head coach probably would have flipped three games i think you know i think the the talent of the players kept them in the game. Uh, the, you know, there was a lot of close games last year and, um, you know, it's key times. It was either, a, you know, I remember fourth and one, they decided to run like a double reverse or something. And, you know, that blew up in his face and, you know, then they ended up swinging momentum and then they ended up losing um, just situations like that was, was some of the things that he did um, play calling again, um, I think was, was an issue. You could see the frustration with the offense, not just with Baker Mayfield trying to do too much, but um, Odell Beckham Jr. at times and Jarvis Landry. And I mean, if you look at the Browns on paper, I mean, they're they're as good as anybody. I mean, you got you know Nick Chubb who ended up finishing second in the NFL in rushing. You got Kareem Hunt who was an All-Pro player who, when he came in and you put those two together, I thought they were a tremendous one-two combo. Uh, Kareem was very unselfish when he got on the field. He blocked quite a bit for Nick. You know, they were a great one-two punch. I think. They should have utilized that a little bit more, uh, tried to play action pass with some of the guys who can stretch the field. Um, but you know what? We get, we got a different guy this year, uh, a guy who's proven for, uh, from Minnesota. And um, I think the Browns had a really good draft. If you uh, go through and look at a lot of the, uh, the analysis on, on different teams, and you know a lot of the people are saying the same thing about Cleveland. You know, they had a great draft. They picked up a great, outstanding tight end in the, in the fourth round. Um, you know, you got him and the Joku and – you know, again, you got the two running backs we talked about. You got Jarvis Landry, hopefully 100% uh, healthy uh, Odell Beckham Jr. this year, and uh, the expectations are high. We get, we picked up a, a tremendous tackle that Joe Thomas, a first ballot Hall of Famer, endorsed him, saying he's going to play in the league a long time and he's going to be an All Pro. So, 
offensively, you know, we, we still got the same weapons. We got a different philosophy uh, with a new coach, Kevin Stefanski, coming in. But he's he's really good. He's you know he's a player's coach. Um, I think the Browns are going to have a good season this year. But man, in Cleveland, we've been saying that for a long time. So maybe I'll just <laughs> say that we're hoping for a six and ten season. Use reverse psychology, and we'll flip that to ten and six. <laughs> Last year was obviously you know. We hear a lot about the sophomore slump in the NFL. And obviously coming into last year, the, the hype was on the back of the Browns and the end of the season where Baker had come in, he'd made that team his own. There was a load of wind in those sails and it just didn't transpire. Do you think year three though now with, is that pressure off a little bit now because he's had that slump? Or does it, do you think it's more pressure now going into year three that he really has to pick it up? Uh, you know what? I I think that the pressure is always going to be there at the quarterback position. I've I've seen some of the, uh, you know, actually quite a few of the interviews with Baker Mayfield. I'm I'm a big Baker big Baker Baker Mayfield fan. Spit it out, Jim. Um, and he he did have a sophomore slump. He you know he didn't handle the media right last year. Um, you know, but seeing him progress through his career, listening to the things he says. He's always said this. There's no more pressure than anybody can put on me than I'm going to put on myself. You know, he's one of those guys. He's not a guy that's going to sell anybody out in the media for a drop ball or, you know, jumping off sides or, or whatever the case may may be. He's a guy that looks the camera, the reporters in the eyes, says, listen, you know what? I, I, I did play well last year. I did not have a good season. Tried to do too much. Um, I, I, I like the way he's dealing with it. Um, I think he's excited about this year. And, and again, there's, there's no more pressure on Baker than he's going to put on himself this year. He's just one of those guys. He's a, a guy that uh, wears a lot of his emotion on his sleeve. And, you know, he, every, everything that you read about him, guys love him. They, they rally around him. They had a tough year, but they're back in the lab, you know, hopefully sooner than later. And, you know, they're going to get back to work and, and get better. I think those new uniforms will do the trick for you as well. Suddenly you'll look like the Browns again as well. Yeah, I like their unis. Some of the some of the others, uh, not 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 so much. <laughs> yeah. Atlanta's I thought was probably a D. You know, some of the new logos that are out there, the the one Rams logo I thought was absolutely hideous. A lot of people are upset, including a Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson. Uh, <laughs> Quite right so. too. Quite right too. Oh dear, and of course. We'll get to the, the, the 2020 class, but I, I'd be remiss of me if, if I didn't ask you this. Watching Tom Brady wearing Tampa Bay red is going to be so weird this year. Yeah, the, the Tampa Bay grunk, grunk and ears, right? You know what they're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool. You know, you know all you do is you, you get Brady down there with the, with those wide receivers and, and an offensive genius and Bruce Arians. You know, you know that he is just – you know, a kid at a candy store before he even got in the draft, and then they pick up the, the, the tough running back from Boston College, and you know, then you end up getting Gronkowski in a trade from the Patriots. You know, Gronk, Gronk's one of the you know Hall of Famer. Tom's you know big time tight end, and you know then they end up taking another tight end, and um, they they I, I can't wait to watch Tampa Bay. Um, I'm excited. You know, it's it's great for us to be able to see a, a guy like Tom Brady continue to play and. You know, other quarterbacks late in their career uh, have had success going to other teams. Look at Kurt Warner. You know, everybody wrote him off when he went to the Giants. And, you know, then he ends up in Arizona with, with again, Bruce Arians. And he's the offensive coordinator. And he takes them to the Super Bowl and um, ends up being MVP that year. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see them play. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. A question? Yeah, I, I, sorry, sorry, Cameron. Just, I, I find this sport fascinating that one player – 
can change. You know, I mean, Tampa Bay against New Orleans was a ugh game in recent years. You stick Tom Brady in there, and all of a sudden, you know that that's Sunday night football type stuff. And I guess it links also. I mean, the Bengals now with Joe Burrow become. I don't know if must watch, but certainly must see team. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, Joe's a guy that is, is so intelligent, so far ahead of the curve. Um, I've watched Joe Burrow since he was in high school. As a matter of fact, one of the quarterbacks that I trained who um, played at St. Vincent St. Mary, where LeBron James uh, hails from, um, they beat them in the semifinals. Uh, I still remember the game. I was talking to uh, my buddy about it not too long ago. St. Vincent St. Mary was up, uh, I believe, by 10 at halftime. Joe Burrow was something like 6 for 18 for a couple picks in the first half. And, you know, they're down by, uh, I can't remember, 14 or something or whatever the score was. But second half, Joe comes out and goes 18 for 20 for almost 300 yards and five touchdowns. So I've watched him for a long time. I've watched how he's handled things since he transferred from – uh, Ohio State, you know, some people I was reading on the, uh, you know, on Twitter today about uh, this guy said, you know, give me give me a guy who stays like uh, Murray at, at uh, Oklahoma and didn't transfer over a guy like Joe Burrow. Well, you know what? Joe Burrow went down to LSU, a place where quarterbacks haven't been like quarterback university where they're lighting it up, putting up big numbers. And all he does is is essentially put LSU on the map again and played unbelievably this season. Uh, one of the best seasons as a quarterback in college football history. I mean, 70, what, 74, 75%. Um, he's a coach's kid. His dad is a uh, has been a defensive coordinator. I, I really like him. I think he's going to do great things, but he's going to face a lot of challenges with all that being said in Cincinnati, especially with the young coach, a team that went 2-14 and 14 last year. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be tough for him. But he's, 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 he's going to be okay. He's going to be a great player. How important is it for Joe Burrows? Uh, and, you know, obviously, with Tiger King being so popular, with Joe Burrow moving from the LSU Tigers to the Bengals, the, he's going to be known as the Tiger King and he's going to be known as Joe Exotic. There's just no getting away from that. There's too many things have landed the right side up for that to happen. Um, but how important is it for someone like him coming into Ohio and playing for an Ohio team? Obviously, you know, just 250 miles down the road from the Browns, the other end of the state, but still very much home for him. How significant is that for the local fans? It's, yeah, it is going to be uh, – it's, it's, it's huge for Cincinnati. It's absolutely huge. Um, to have a local guy like that, a face that everybody can uh, – uh, recognize. Uh, I mean, all he did was, you know, have the perfect season as far as a, a collegiate athlete. Um, you know, he, he won a national championship, undefeated season, won the SEC championship, undefeated, obviously, and then to win the Heisman Trophy and everything else on top of that. And the, the thing that I loved about Joe Burrow this year wasn't so much the season, but to see him on that podium to deliver the, the, the Heisman speech, man, he, he, as great as a season he's as he had, he had an, an even better speech, you know, to, to talk about Southwest Ohio and, and what those kids went through. And he's right. I mean, it is a poor area. I work with kids that are in that conference um, to, to, to bring light on, on his hometown, um, to see the, the, the pure emotion, uh, him being happy and sad and just, it, it was awesome to see, you know, it's, it, it's, it's what makes college football and college sports so special. And, um, I'm excited for Cincinnati. I'm excited for the state of Ohio because he's he's a guy that will represent that franchise uh, 
you know, to a T. He's he's the face. He's he's a great quarterback. He's a leader. He he, you know, the the money that he raised from his Heisman speech, what it was over five hundred thousand uh, dollars, just bringing awareness. Um, he's that kind of guy, and uh, the things he'll do in the community is going to be as good as the things he does on the field. He's he's going to be a, a you know an ambassador for this league for for a long time, I believe. Uh, which is great, and you know, if you were to compare him to another, and I hate to do it, but you know, it's if for people that don't know him that haven't seen him coming through college, what sort of quarterback are the Bengals getting from him? Well, he, first and foremost, uh, you, you can't talk about it enough. He is a coach's kid, so that right there, I mean, I, I know how I am with my son, and. Um, you know, he's nine, and, I mean, he can already tell you about one high and two high safeties, and he can already name you the route tree. You know, you're around the game enough, you, you hear so much. You know, he was a gym rat as a kid. He was always at the field. So the things that he was able to pick up from a from a football IQ standpoint, you know, all those years having a dad as a coach, and, and then being able to, to be the son of a coach and and to play quarterback, I mean, that that's huge. Obviously, it's a position of leadership. It's a position that you have to know where everybody's at on on. Uh, on offense, on every single play, you have to be able to, to to move guys, to be able to do check with me's, which is calling two plays at the line, to be able to look at a defense, recognize and see where the over and under, where the blitz is coming from, to check into a different you know protection, all those kind of things. He's way ahead of the curve on that. And uh, his dad was a defensive coach, so he's you know he's been able to learn about defenses and understand coverages, and you know he's a real high IQ guy and. Uh, you know, all that stuff's very important. And, um, you know, that's that's the kind of guy that you're going to get. And, again, you can't talk more about the, the kind of character that Joe Barrow is. You know, for him to mention, you know, his coaches at Ohio State in his speech and, and to see the emotion and the, and the pure love of the game and, you know, the you know the way that he handled the media throughout the whole season with everything going on was just awesome. How good a landing spot is the Bengals then for for Joe? Do you think do you think he's good enough and they've put in enough pieces that they can mount a challenge right away, or do you think there's some building needs to take place for them to to grow over the next couple of years to give him the platform for success? Well, obviously, when you finish two and fourteen, um, you're you're in a tough position. You know, with that, you got a new coaching staff and a, a you know a second year head coach. Uh, so there are some hurdles for him to. Um, that he's going to need to to go through. Uh, the you know the the division they're in is obviously pretty tough. You got that Baltimore Ravens team who, you know, they're they were fourteen and two last year with the reigning MVP Lamar Jackson. You know, then then they go out and they pick up a running back like uh, you know, cage uh, uh, from kid from Ohio State, KJ Dobbins or TK Dobbins, excuse me. Um, so now you got him and Ingram in the backfield, and um, you know they're very good. You know, then you got Pittsburgh. You got the Browns, um, so it's it's a tough it's a tough division to be in. But you know the Bengals had a, had an outstanding draft. You know they they got Burrow obviously with the first pick. Then they got T Higgins, a stud wide receiver from Clemson. You know also uh, early in the first pick of the second round, they addressed some of the defensive needs. They got a couple linebackers, uh, you know a D end, and then they or excuse me three linebackers and a D end, and then they picked up uh, a tackle. So you know you read a lot of the uh, the analysis by by the uh, experts in the NFL and they think that they had a good draft so you know they're going to have to mesh this young team together and, and try and manufacture some wins Jim if we were to take you to pick number five if I had you as the general manager of the Miami Dolphins and you needed a quarterback do you pull the trigger on Tagovailoa or do you go with Justin Herbert what would you have done uh, I honestly I would probably take 
I, I would not have taken Tua. Um, I, I think he's a, a, t- a tremendous kid. Uh, the way he handled the, the whole situation with, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, taking over that situation. And, um, I mean, what a special kid. You, you can't say enough about the, you know, a high character guy, you know, great family. Um, you know, his brother's at Alabama also. But he's, he's had some injury issues. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know that you, you play the game long enough, you're going to get hurt. But he's, he's had some injuries these last couple of years. And I think the way that he plays the game a little bit, um, you know, it, it makes him more susceptible to to getting hurt. I think he's a little bit uh, smaller than the, some of the guys that are coming out. Um, that would be my biggest concern uh, in taking him at the first pick. I think that there's guys that that are that are good enough that there would be great picks that you wouldn't have to worry about that kind of thing with. So I, I probably wouldn't have taken two. I probably would have taken uh, Herbert at that pick. I find that really interesting because obviously it is split. Did Justin Herbert's stock rise because Tua had had the problems? You know, would he have been a top ten pick, for example, if there hadn't been the doubt about Tua? Uh, maybe you know, and, and some of that happens. You know, if you if you get a guy that, that gets hurt, that might be a first pick. He's going to drop. So now the guys that are behind him obviously move up, and um, I, I think that he. I don't want to say benefited, but I, I don't think that hurt his status at all because now it's it's one of those things that you got to look at long term. If if you're you know a general manager and head coach and an owner of the team is is taking a guy, you know that high in the draft, especially the quarterback, is he going to be able to to uh, you know have a long lasting career? Is you know are we worried about him getting hurt? So you know it, it's it's one of those things where where time will tell. Um. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I think that uh, I, I think Tua is a, gr- a great player. I think that when he does get an opportunity, I think he'll play well. But it's a matter of if he, how long can he play well? Yeah, I think Cameron. That's certainly been the problem, isn't it? People are wary, and jobs in the NFL are hard to come by. You get that kind of thing wrong as a general manager, and it's hard to hard to get another gig. Well, we've talked about this so much, and given the circumstances as well with the lockdown that we're going through, you know, obviously the f- the physicals haven't been taking place like they normally would be. Teams haven't had that face to face time that they'd normally have, I- and for that, I actually thought the Dolphins might play safe and opt for Justin Herbert. And actually, they could have taken a another position higher up, let to a fall to the Chargers, and probably find that Herbert was still there when it came round to one of their later picks. Possibly not, but you know, there was a good chance he would have been um i i thought that might have been the slightly safer route um and it wouldn't have necessarily been a bad route at all it is a lot of risk and i guess it's that risk reward piece um you know the injuries that he's had jim are significant as well for the position and like you say the style we saw and the one the career that we saw ruined unfortunately was rg3s um who came out and and that type of quarterback that was very mobile very agile um you know was was a was a threat down the field but was a threat on the ground as well and unfortunately you know just the redskins kept pushing him pushing him pushing him didn't let him recover from the injuries and i wonder how much the dolphins will feel pressure to put him in in the starting position as quickly as they can when actually the right thing might be in this situation to just park him for the year, let Fitzpatrick have another year, go and get some more early round picks in the first round next year and start to build and almost look that far ahead. Do you think that's what they will be doing? Or do you think that the Dolphins are going to try and put him in as quickly as they can? You know, I think a lot of that is, I think it depends on, on to himself. 
Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick obviously is 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 a, is a guy that can come in and win some games for you, and uh, he did that last year. Uh, obviously, that shocking game against New England, which uh, <laughs> New England had played a first round game, and I don't know how many years. He's he's a gritty guy. Um, I think that you stay. I think you stay with with Fitzpatrick, and, and Fitz is. I mean, he's been around forever. He's been on what ten teams. You know, he's a Harvard graduate, so he's he's not a dumb guy by any stretch. He knows what he is, and he knows he's there that he's going to be able to really help and mentor to a, to as a guy who's who's going to be a sponge once he gets down there, just you know absorbing everything that that, that Fitz has to can bring to the table and all the things that he can help understand about the position, games, how to deal with practice situations. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's Fitz's, Fitz's team for now. You just you just let it play out, and you see where two is at in the development as well. Um, you know, if Tua plays extremely well, then then maybe you pull the trigger with him and, and you let him go, and you have Fitz in the, in the in the wings as a backup, knowing he's a guy that can come off the bench and be prepared and ready to go. So I think a lot of it again is just going to come down to where's Tua at in his development, where he's at physically, how he reacts in certain situations, you know, how he understands the offense and, the, and you know deals with the, the the speed of the game and everything that goes on with it, and you know you just kind of make your your assessment, you know, as as time goes on. Jim, I'm interested in, you've used this a couple of times, you talked about high character in in players. How important is that to you when you're coaching? And does that get muddied when players go to the NFL and people are sometimes prepared to look past some of the indiscretions in players? Yeah, there's no question. I was, uh, I was just looking today, again, as I said on Twitter, just going back through, I have a tendency to scroll to see who posts what. Always looking for new quarterback drills, trying to get better, just like my kids. Um, but, uh, you know, they were talking about uh, when Tyron Matthew came out and Bill Polian was, they were talking to interviewing Bill Polian about his character and he just completely bagged on him. They passed on him, you know. Yeah. Some other team didn't. Let's fast forward. He ends up with the Kansas City Chiefs last year. He's <laughs> yeah. traded from Houston, and he wins the Super Bowl, and he's still playing extremely well. But you know, for every for, for every case like Tyron Matthew, you know, there's you know there's a lot of guys that that didn't make it, and you know, guys that were a risk and it didn't pan out. So I, I think most I think most teams now are erring on the side of um, being cautious. You know, having a guy like you know, an Andrew Luck or, or a Peyton Manning, you know, guys that you draft that you don't even, well, you go to bed every night knowing full well that you don't have to worry about that guy. It's easier to live with 53 of those guys than, than it is half your team, you know, made up guys that, you know, might have gotten in trouble, might have done some wrong things. And I'm not saying that you, you completely shy away from guys that make mistakes because, I mean, let's be honest, you're 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kid. You know, you might get caught up in the wrong situation, you might do something stupid. You know, things happen. You know, Baker Mayfield was a guy who got in trouble in college. You, know, you see him on the video, you know, getting tackled by the cops when he was drunk publicly. And you know what? He made a mistake. He fessed up. He, you know, talked to everybody. said, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I was so stupid. It's not going to happen again. So, you know, guys make mistakes. But I, I think that a lot of general managers now, in today's game, are really erring on the side of, you know, let's, let's, let's look to get the guy that um, has, a, has, you know, more character than, than not. Out of the two quarterbacks that we've got there as well, obviously we've talked about which one we would have taken first. If we look at who can go in, make the biggest impact right away, and have the pieces around them, Justin Herbert feels like he's landed in a better spot 
to have success immediately than perhaps Tua and perhaps even Joe Burrow, just with some of the calibre of players that are going to be around him in L.A.? Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Um, he's he's getting out there. He's got an experienced coach, um, a guy who's been there for for a minute. Um, so he does have. A, a, he's got great wideouts around him. You know, Rivers had a had a tough year last year. Um, a lot of a lot of interceptions. You know, more so than what he was used to throwing. Trying to do too much, I think. Uh, but San Diego's a good team. They had a uh, you know tough season last year. Uh, you know, only finished five and eleven, but they do have some guys coming back that can. Um, it's an absolutely make some plays, uh, skilled position wise at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, you got Keenan Allen, stud. You know, you picked up KJ Hill from Ohio State, like that pick. Obviously, watched him quite a bit. Um, so I, I think they have pieces. I really do. Um, you got Eckler at the running back, who had a good year last year. Uh, Justin Jackson, and, and at the end of the day, too, I mean, let's let's not discount Tyrod Taylor. You know, he's a guy who's been around. He, he's he been started with the Bills. He started with the Browns. Um, he's been tough. He's been solid. Uh, he played well in both places. Um, right now, he's the quarterback, and I think they're very comfortable with that. I think they'd like to see him um, be the guy and, and sit Herbert, just like uh, Kansas City did with Mahomes, let him sit sit for a year or two. Let them learn the ropes, let them understand the game better, and then, you know, turn the team over to them. Jim, I'm interested to see what you make of the other quarterback that went in the first round. And perhaps it wasn't an expected landing spot for Jordan Love out of Utah State, uh, landing at the Green Bay Packers. I'm not sure uh, Mr. Rogers would have been too thrilled, but that's the decision they've made. Yeah, I, to, to be blunt, and I know he is, I would be pissed <laughs> if I'm him. I mean, I'm the guy. I'm 36 years old. I'm a Hall of Famer. I took you to the NFC Championship next, you know, last year. We've got wide receiver problems. We've got no depth. But with, the, with our first pick in the first round, let's, let's draft a quarterback so eventually he can take my place. I'm the Hall of Famer. I just I completely disagree with that pick. I, I don't make that pick. I don't know how you make that pick, especially when you know guys have, have, have left. You know their their wide receivers uh, core last year. You know guys got hurt was thin. I mean I I, I I'd be I'd be mad. There's and, and it's a and it's a wide receiver draft. There was so many good wide receivers you could have got that pick. You know guys that he you know. Could really mesh with. I, I just saw a stat. I couldn't believe it. You know how many touchdown passes that Aaron Rodgers has thrown to a first-round wide receiver? No. 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 One. Wow. One <laughs> touchdown pass in his career to a first-round draft pick. Think about that. All the touchdown passes he's thrown, he's thrown one. Jeez. I mean, and after going that deep last year, I mean, give me T. Higgins. You know, give me a guy like, I mean, any of them. So, I... I I can't even I I can't understand the pick. Lost for words, and that's really hard to do, as you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to to be fair, given given the way the New Orleans Saints are and Drew Brees, you know, almost you know, just signing another two year deal, likely another year. I actually thought 
the Saints might have had a look at Jordan Love as somebody with, with a bit of potential, but they obviously went with Cesar Ruiz. So it could have turned out differently. But, I mean, I would have thought that, you know, there, there were other wide receivers. He mentioned, I mean, T. Higgins went, you know, first pick of the second round. Michael Pittman Jr. followed him there. So, yeah, I think it's a real head scratcher. And I've not seen any love in all the all the stuff that I've read. I've seen no love for the, the Green Bay draft whatsoever. Yeah, they're they're getting beat up. I mean, they they did address some picks, you know that they there's some you know some holes that they needed to fill. But you you got to give a guy like Aaron Rodgers a first. I mean, give give him a first round pick at the wide out position. I mean, just build around the guy that you already have that is that guy. Um, he's making do with with guys that are very good wide receivers, but they're you know they're not the caliber of. You know some of these other teams, like even for the Browns, can you imagine what Aaron Rodgers could do with 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 the weapons that he like Baker Mayfield has? Oh yeah, I mean it'd, it'd be unbelievable. Um, but they they did take AJ Dillon at number sixty three. Um, he's a big time pick, running back. You know he will. You know he'll continue to help that run game, open up the play action game. Um, but they're you know. Jordan Love was taking 26. I just, I still can't understand it. But, you know, Green Bay's, you know, they're going to be pretty good next year. And um, they're still getting beat up in the draft pretty bad, though. Um, they did take a tight end, you know, uh, 94. So they tried to help help them, get them some more pieces. But I think they missed big time by not taking a wide out. Yeah. No, yeah. Definitely. Even the running game, to be honest. It, it, you're right. You know, it's a, a good pickup in the second round. But Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams last year, the Packers had a run game. That was the one thing that they did have. And it almost feels like they're almost going down the San Francisco model of stack the backfield with options. But that's a waste of Aaron Rodgers. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo's not got the range that Aaron Rodgers has. Um, do you think, you know, in, a, in an offseason where we've seen Philip Rivers move on to only the second team of his career, we've, well technically only the second team, um, and Brady obviously go to only the second team he's played for. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers has another team in him in the next couple of years before he retires? Or do you think that Aaron will stay and win this battle with Jordan Love? Oh, it's it's not even a battle. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of Green Bay until Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback of Green Bay. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. I mean, I think that it's going to be one of the situations like it was, was with Brett Favre that – he's going to have to play himself out of, you know, being that guy. Hmm. And, and the other thing is if, if you draft a guy, you, you know, like him, where do you see him in, in two years or three years? Is he, is he going to be as good as what Aaron is right now or in the following years? I, not, no, he, he's not maybe over the long term, but Aaron's going to be there. Aaron's a guy who's going to play till he's 40. You know, if you look at his, his statistics last year with a, a brand new coach, he, he threw for over four thousand yards, twenty six touchdowns, four picks. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I really think we should think about replacing our quarterback here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right? know. I, I, I think there's a great deal of opportunity in in Wisconsin for somebody who does drywall to go around and repair. Uh, the house that Aaron Rodgers is in, <laughs> because I'm sure there's a few oh, things thrown about. Holes in it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, yeah, sorry, Jim, you go. No, it just, I just, I, I know I keep, you know, talking about it over and over, but I just can't understand the pick. It makes zero sense to me. Um, 
The other spent, you know, you go, you go, you go, thir- you go 13 and three last year with a brand new head coach and a brand new system. And for Aaron Rodgers, that was a down year. He only completed 62% of his passes. And for, for him, that's, that's, that's terrible. But if you look the, at the touchdown to interception ratio, I mean, it's unbelievable. And you look at the record, unbelievable. Their leading receiver was Devontae Adams, had almost 1,000 yards. But there's not a lot of guys that, you know, that would be number ones or number twos anywhere else. I, I find it fascinating. I must admit, it could get them off to to a bad start. Um, certainly, it's going to be interesting if you're a journalist in Wisconsin having to deal with this story. So, in terms of quarterbacks in the second round, we saw Jalen Hurts go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Not really a lot of quarterback action uh, after you know after that. I was slightly surprised that uh, Jacob Eason and and James Morgan went. Uh, before the chap from Georgia, Jake Fromm. I thought Jake Fromm might have gone a little bit earlier. Uh, I, I did too. Uh, he was, you know, he's a four-year starter, played in the SEC, played against big-time competition, um, has a lot of games experience. But the the one thing that everybody was questioning was his was his arm strength. And uh, you know, there's quarterback year years back, Eric Zaire. You know, he's a little undersized, but he was a four-year starter, threw for a bunch of yards, but his arm strength was questionable. Jake's a bigger guy than that, but the comparison arm strength-wise was the same. Right. So I think a lot of teams shied away from that. Uh, I think I think he's a guy, though, that'll, that picks up a system. You know, he's he's he makes good decisions. He, he's a leader. He's a winner and started a lot of games and, and, and has a lot of experience. And when you go to the NFL, the, there's no substitute for game experience. And when you do take a guy like Jake Fromm, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, that started at least 40 games. So I thought he, he fell late. Uh, there was a lot of opportunities for a lot of teams to take him at different times, and nobody did. So everybody must have been pretty much on the same page with what they thought. So who out of the deeper picks then is, is the quarterback? You know, we mentioned from Eason, Morgan, uh, I think the only other two that were picked up were Nate Stanley and Jake Luton. Um, you know, any of those guys got enough about them to to be a future NFL starter, do you think? Or are we more hoping that these guys continue to develop? I think they're going to be guys that develop. Uh, when, when you look at the NFL now from top to bottom, you're, you're, you're starting to see you know, a, a rollover of quarterbacks. And, and by that, I mean a lot of the guys we are used to seeing for a long time, they're starting to get transitioned out because there's a lot of young quarterbacks that are, that are playing good, that have, that have established themselves. And there's a lot of really good backups in the NFL right now. The quarterback position in the NFL right now is pretty good. And that's why you saw uh, or didn't see a lot of quarterbacks really get taken in this year's draft. Because uh, there's a there's a lot of good quarterbacks. There was a lot of good quarterbacks that came out of last year's class or two two classes ago. So the need in the NFL for quarterbacks is, is kind of changed. It's kind of down. So I think that these guys are going to end up being uh, backups for the most part. The guys that were taken in the later rounds. Uh, I think it'll be hard for them to start. But you know what? With a little luck and a guy getting hurt, and you know, you never know what can happen. Well, the Gardner Minshew last year's story. Um, obviously, exactly. nobody necessarily. He came out of <laughs> you know, he, where did he come from, and what a you know what an absolute hype came with him. Um, ultimately, 
to the point where the Jags have traded away Nick Foles. Two other sort of quarterback stories that are trending, I guess, at the moment. One is, you know, who's going to be the quarterback in New England? Do the Patriots believe enough in Jarrett Stidham? Is he a good enough player? Uh, Brian Hoyer certainly has proven he's not necessarily a player that's going to get you any great success as a starting quarterback. Do you think that Stidham is the guy that's going to start in New England? Or do we think there's more to come there? Uh, million dollar question <laughs> and, and, and and it's so hard to you know you, you never really know what's going on in new england you know that that, that franchise you you just don't know and i've got a, a really good friend of mine nick cayley who's the uh, tight ends coach at, at new england and you know i you know i, I kind of ask him questions knowing he's not going to really answer the question <laughs> and we're really good friends i mean it's just so tight-lipped about everything that they do and it's the patriot way and it, it wins and you know what they've done over time has, has been incredible, but I, I don't know. Um, I really don't know if they think Stidham is is the guy. I think that they do. Uh, they've had time to, you know, kind of play the free agency game before the draft. They didn't sign anybody. Now they, you know, the draft came and went, and they didn't take anybody. There's still some, you know, really good quarterbacks out there that. Uh, have a lot of experience, Cam Newton, uh, Andy Dalton, guys like that that have been, you know, made pro balls and, and done some great things. And we'll have to wait and see with the rest of this offseason before mini camps if New England pulls a trigger or if they're comfortable with, with Stidham. I, re- I really don't know. I, I, th- I think they like him. I really do. But yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. One quarterback that looks to be off the menu. Uh, it looks as though he's going to sign a one-year deal. I know this one's uh, close to your heart, Paul, but uh, Jameis Winston, a one-year deal potentially in New Orleans. What do you think on that one, Jim? A good pickup for them to get a former first-round, in fact, first overall pick, was he not? Um, a number one pick as your backup QB for a year? Yeah, I, th- I think I think a, a one-year deal for him is, is a great pickup for, for New Orleans. He's not a guy that... Uh, I'd want to hang my hat on. He's very talented. He's throw, he throws a lot of touchdowns, and I've said this since he dra- he got drafted, and it's still true today. And it's just why he's you know look you know he had to look for a job in the offseason. He has never figured out and fixed the turnover problem that he has. He is an absolute turnover machine. And if you go back to Florida State, even when they won the national championship, he turned the ball over a ton, a lot. You know, last year he was the first guy ever in NFL history with a 30-30. Yeah. He got 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns. Not to not to mention the fumbles that he lost. We're talking about two turnovers just by him every single game that you play. Can't happen. But down in New Orleans, with all the weapons he's got and, you know, Sean McVay being an offensive genius and being around a guy like Drew Brees, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, maybe some of that will rub off and he'll figure it out a little bit more. Now that he's out of the starting role, um, going into a season, knowing where he's, he's going to be the backup, maybe he can just, you know, relax and, you know, figure things out a little bit better and get better in his development. He's still a young guy. That's the thing. Um, he's still got time to try and fix it, but when you've done that your whole career, you know, going from thirty thirty to thirty to five is one of those things. He's like, eh, I don't, I don't think that's possible. So we will have to wait and see how uh, the rest of Jameis Winston's story gets written. 
he apparently has undergone LASIK eye surgery, um, as they reckon that that might have been a problem around nearsightedness. We've actually, both Paul and I, are red-green colourblind, and we've surmised for a while now that Jameis Winston might be red-green colourblind. And actually, that red colour goes all the way back to his college career, because, of course, Florida State play in that sort of maroon colour. So that red-green colourblindness may come into play if, if we're onto something there. How important do you think that is, though, You know, as a quarterback? If you've got a slight impairment in your vision, that's going to be a major factor in this, surely. I agree. Uh, I'll tell you this though. My senior year of high school, or senior year of college, I I was supposed to get contacts. I wore contacts. This, this was my senior year, as I said. I wore contacts for one practice. I had them in. I hated them. I didn't wear them the rest of the season. Had a great season, won national championship. <laughs> I knew that there was something wrong, yeah. right? <laughs> so you get it fixed. What, why hasn't this been diagnosed before year five or six of his NFL career? That's, yeah. my, that's my point. I mean, now you're going to say, well, you know, I might might have a uh, blindness. Well, you didn't just get it. Either you had it the whole time or you didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> so, Paul will love me asking this one. Um, do you see Jameis Winston as a future number one quarterback in New Orleans? No. In a word, in a word, no. <laughs> in, in the you, word, in, thank you. In the word of uh, Netflix, uh, Letterkenny, hard no. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll, I'll I'll put my cards on the table here, Jim. I am a Saints fan. I have never been a fan of Jameis Winston. Now I realise that everybody who makes the NFL is an outstanding athlete, and I'm not knocking that, but. It, and it, it happens over here as well. If, if, if your soccer team signs somebody that you just don't like, you don't take to, you, you, there's just something about them. And for me, there's just something about Jameis Winston. On the field, I mean, he's 28-46. He's turnovers, uh, 80 interceptions, 50 fumbles. You know, there's all of that. But I've never found him a particularly warm or likable person. Off the field, I didn't think he came over particularly well. And it was either hard knocks. I think it was hard knocks for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, no, I mean, I, I don't think it's a great signing from that point of view uh, for the Saints. But I'm very relieved to hear you say that you don't think he'll ever be a number one quarterback in New Orleans. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I, I tried listeners I tried to get him wound up but it didn't happen so <laughs> this story's not dead yet though Paul you're going to have to live through this we all know that Drew Brees is going to miss some game time at some point and when, when Jameis steps in let's just see what happens let's I, I, was see doing, what I was doing fine in this lockdown till the Saints signed him so. <laughs> <laughs> Jim fi final question for you in terms of what's ahead for you over the next few months obviously you know America's in the same state as everyone where else that there is lockdown we're hopefully going to come out of lockdown what, what's the next couple of months look like for you uh I'm, I'm still working with my quarterbacks i'm doing uh film study by uh facetime uh still working one-on-ones you know under under small groups uh not able to do large groups right now uh ohio is going to start opening back up I believe on May 11th, so you'll start seeing some of the other stores. Um, I don't know the specifics, but I don't. I know restaurants and stuff aren't going to be open in the first phase. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I'm going to keep doing what I do, and that's work as, with as many quarterbacks as I can. School's been called off for the rest of the year, 
uh, here in Ohio. I know it's different state to state. So kids are uh, kids are home. You know, they're still some, taking some classes online and and things like that. I'm just you know I, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can. Well, Jim, we appreciate you joining us on the NFL Scotland podcast. It's, it's always good to, to talk football with you, and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do so uh, perhaps before the start of the season as well. But stay safe and all the best to your family, and thanks for joining us. You too. Hey, you know where the draft is next year, right? <laughs> oh, we do. We do. <laughs> Let's make it happen, man. <laughs> So that's the full-time whistle for episode 99. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We're growing all the time, but need your help to keep that up. We appreciate every retweet, share, and love hearing your thoughts on what we've been discussing. The next episode is episode 100. So we've got a special interview lined up for that one, and we'll have all of the NFL Scotland team on to celebrate. Thanks to Jim Ballard for his time, for his expert analysis. I thought he was brilliant. Great take on all the quarterbacks. Thank you for listening and taking the time to share your thoughts. We'll be back next week with episode 100. But until then, bye for now. Bye for now.